I think there's a long way to go before everything a naturopath does is evidence-based, but there's enough evidence out there to say that it's highly likely that these people are doing more good than harm, that uh, they be appropriately acknowledged for what they're actually contributing. On November 30, 1989, 91-year-old Stanley Greenham lay dying at his sister's farm in Northam, Western Australia. His sister, Dorothy Snook, sat beside him, reciting Stanley's favourite psalm, The Lord is My Shepherd. She massaged his feet and legs to improve his circulation, and as she later told the court on one occasion, slapped Stanley's cheek to revive him when he slipped into a state of unconsciousness. But she did not call for an ambulance. Hi, I'm Greta Pools, and this is the final episode of Raw. At the beginning of this episode, we heard from Stephen Myers, a naturopath who is also a medical doctor and professor of complementary medicine at Southern Cross University. And listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please, don't fence me in. Just turn me loose, let me straddle my old saddle underneath the western sky. Those three months, back in 1944, that Dorothy Snook spent laying on a slanted bed at Dr. Capone's nursing home, eating fruit and bathing in sunshine, changed the course of her life forever. She left one the Avenue Nedlands fired by a boundless energy and possessed of a vocation. She felt it was her duty to pass on the knowledge she believed saved her life. It was a passion for which she braved ridicule, fines and legal action over the course of her long career. Mrs Snook claimed success in helping people with a wide range of disorders and diseases and believed that any illness could be improved or treated by the proper administration of a diet of raw food or vegetables. For the past 40 years I have been successfully treating people with many illnesses medical doctors say cannot be helped she wrote in a covering letter for a BHP Award for Excellence in the 1980s. Mrs Snook often stated that she was prepared to go before any medical panel to explain her methods. She believed that doctors should work with naturopaths and recommended to her clients that they report back to their doctor so the doctor could witness for themselves how far the patient had progressed with her guidance with a natural food diet. She began working as a naturopath when aged in her 50s, after her husband Leslie retired. Her reputation grew over the decades, coinciding with the growth of the global whole food and organics movement. When Leslie died on March 30, 1982, Mrs Snook entered a new era of her life. Leslie had never been a follower of her diet, although he was supportive of his wife and her work. He died aged 74 from congestive heart failure. Their marriage had been a happy one. Mrs Snook's children tell me they never heard a raised word between their parents. Now a widow and approaching the age of 70, Mrs Snook was at the peak of her career. She had a global reputation, experience, time and energy to do more. Just as she expanded her naturopathic operations from a small room in the family's first home in Claremont, where she gave massages, to begin a home-based business in the large menorah house, 
Dorothy Snook once again upscaled her practice. In late 1983, aged 70, she moved with her daughter Barbara to Peppertree House on a 24-acre property in an area known as Doctors Hill on the Gumelling Road in Northam, an hour's drive northeast of Perth. She had been born in Northam and the historic town was close to where she spent her childhood on the family farm in Corda. She was returning back to her country. Mrs Snook's picturesque Peppertree House farm contained a large homestead residence and two acres of almond trees. This was no doubt a selling point for Mrs Snook, who believed, like Alice Capone, that the almond was the finest of all nuts, closer to mother's milk in its chemical composition than any other food. The farm also ran sheep, and she grew fruit and vegetables in the gardens. Mrs Snook's intention was to operate what she called an Institute of Natural Healing and Private Hospital for Alternative Medicines. Here she offered services for outpatients and live-in patients for cancer control, arthritis and asthmatics, having obtained the necessary approvals from the Northern Town Council. Mrs Snook was very proud of her newly expanded Radiant Health Centre and considered it a unique facility in Australia. She wrote, at last, after 40 years of earnest endeavour, I have now achieved my purpose for living. Mrs Snook offered overnight accommodation for up to six guests in the new guest wing at a cost of around 500 Australian dollars per week, which today is worth around 1,180 Australian dollars or 860 dollars in US currency. The guest facilities are described in her Radiant Health Centre brochure as follows. All rooms are private and each set of two share a toilet and bath. All guest rooms open onto the private swimming pool and patio where patients may relax and soak up the healing rays of the sun. Each room has a three-foot bed, television set, built-in robes, lounge chairs and all the comforts of home. 24-hour supervision was provided for all patients. Meals featuring fruits and vegetables grown in the farm's gardens were served to patients in their own rooms or if the patient felt well enough in the spacious dining area where they could socialise with other patients or watch television in the communal lounge room. Upon arrival, clients would be examined by a qualified local medical doctor from Northam, who would remain on call for the length of the patient's stay to ensure, as she put it in her brochure, that at no time will the patient's health be put at risk. The Northern Regional Hospital was just a short drive away. Mrs Snook offered individually programmed diets for each patient and promoted daily juice therapy, breathing exercises, sunshine therapy, cold water therapy, physiotherapy and colonics. Iridology consultations and therapeutic massages were provided at an additional cost, around $80 Australian for an iridology reading and $40 for a massage in today's currency. Mrs Snook had long held a reputation for success in working with cancer and arthritis patients. Her clients spoke publicly to the media about how she had saved them. This did grow her fan base but irritated the medical profession and all such testimonies are regarded as anecdotal, that is, information passed on by word of mouth and not scientifically documented. The antipathy that existed and still exists between traditional medicine and naturopaths meant that by law Mrs Snook could not claim to be treating cancer patients. The care of cancer patients must be managed by a medical practitioner. Although she had never been one for semantics, the level of criticism now directed at her meant that she had to be careful. She was West Australia's best-known naturopath 
and her media profile meant that she had become a high-profile target in the polarised debate between medical doctors and alternative health practitioners over patient care. Rather than use the word cure, Mrs Snook in her brochure for her Northern Clinic claimed some success working with cancer, leukaemia, arthritis, RSI, migraines, colitis, asthma, gallstones and many other diseases. She wrote that she offered no guarantees, although adding that it was through natural living that you are taught how to heal yourself and that virtually all diseases will respond favourably to this type of treatment. This is what she believed. At this point in her life, Mrs Snook's greatest desire was to help chronically ill patients. She had once been told she was dying by her doctor, yet Alice Capone's nature cure therapies had saved her, giving her another 40 years of precious life. Mrs Snook believed she could help others extend their lives and the quality of their lives. Her brochure states, A lot of people with serious illness such as cancer and arthritis try to have them cured with drugs or operations. Treatment of this type puts the body in a debilitated state where it is difficult for it to heal itself. Oftentimes patients are sent home from hospital and told there is nothing more medical science can do to help them. Many of these people are so weak they can barely walk. To help these people, I have opened the Radiant Health Centre in northern Western Australia. It would be easy to think Mrs Snook's work with cancer patients might be motivated by financial gain rather than philanthropy. I have tried Mrs Snook's diet, researched her life and then talked to former clients. And I have no doubt Mrs Snook was genuine in her desire to help others. I found little sustained criticism of her being motivated by money and fleecing her clients. Rather, she was characterised as well-intentioned but misguided. While Mrs Snook had some supporters among the medical profession, she also had some influential enemies. No doubt her forthright nature and stridently held views about diet and willingness to criticise medical practices of drugs and surgery had inflamed relations. However, she was naive in not fully comprehending the risks she exposed herself to by offering in-house care for terminally ill patients. Although Mrs Snook went to lengths to establish good relations with local doctors, inviting them out to inspect her facilities and referring all new clients to them, over time, communication between her and the medical fraternity had broken down. The situation became critical when one of her terminally ill clients died at her northern premises. I could not find any newspaper accounts of the death, although it is referred to by the Australian Medical Association, the AMA, and by Mrs Snook herself. The death, understandably, caused upset among the deceased family, who were not supporters of Mrs Snook. Presumably, the doctor who was called to the farm saw no suspicious circumstances, as a coronial inquiry was not instigated and Mrs Snook's clinic continued its operations. However, the spotlight was on her now as it had never been before. Mrs Snook's daughter, Sylvia, recalls... It was going on before that happened. That happening was just the thing that they needed to really get stuck into us. They just were waiting for a reason. Chief among her critics around this time was Gavin O'Connor, a senior technologist at Princess Margaret Hospital for Children, whose criticism of Mrs Snook was featured in an earlier episode. Mr O'Connor and his terminally ill wife Dolores, who suffered from a malignant melanoma, 
paid a one-off visit to Mrs Snook's naturopathy clinic in Northam on the advice of what he called a well-meaning friend. Mr O'Connor and his wife rejected Mrs Snook's advice, but Mr O'Connor still harboured strong emotions about his one-off experience with Mrs Snook, which he describes in a powerful article published in the AMA's Medical Journal of Australia in 1987. In the article, Mr O'Connor refers to Mrs Snook by the pseudonym Mrs Smith. The article opens with a short description of his wife's death in hospital at the age of 47. Mr O'Connor was likely seized by many emotions when he wrote the piece, but felt a particular animosity towards Mrs Snook and the growing popularity of naturopathy. He wrote how he and Dolores had previously scorned alternative therapies, but like the majority of people facing a cancer diagnosis, it was a different matter when they themselves were faced with imminent and certain death. Although the couple did not pursue any of Mrs Snook's diet or advice, Mr O'Connor was sufficiently motivated by the concept of charlatans preying on the vulnerable to write the article describing his meeting with Mrs Snook, who was 73 at the time. The following is an excerpt from the article. So here we are, the friend Dolores, myself, and our 20-year-old daughter Cecile, motoring up the long gravel driveway towards a large house on the outskirts of Northam, ironically in an area known as Doctor's Hill. We stop in front of a substantial house to which an extra wing has been added. We are ushered into the presence of Mrs Smith herself. She is a long, thin, slightly round-shouldered woman of dour manner, aged around 60 years. Mr O'Connor questioned the accuracy of Mrs Snook's pH reading from his wife's urine sample and mocked her views that disease springs from the liver. He implied a profit-making motive on Mrs Snook's part through her sale of organic foods and products. But he was most struck by Mrs Snook's confident manner. Her confidence is absolute, he wrote. Chief among Mr O'Connor's criticisms was that Mrs Snook had advised his wife to sunbathe, despite the fact that she had melanoma. While conventional wisdom has it that we must avoid sun exposure at all costs, particularly in a country with intense sunlight like Australia, vitamin D is produced in our bodies in reaction to sunlight. It is now recognised that vitamin D plays many different roles in the body related to cancer, bones, heart disease, diabetes, immune function, depression and reproductive health. Alice Caporn and Mrs Snook believe exposure to the sun was essential to cancer protection and overall health. Some health authorities now recommend unprotected sun exposure for 20 minutes a day and in the middle of the day when the sun is at its most intense, although there is also long-standing and conflicting advice that lists sun exposure as a cancer risk and strongly advises against sun exposure in the middle of the day. Despite the tone of his article, several years later in 1990, Mr O'Connor told the West Australian newspaper that Mrs Snook seemed to be well-meaning, although he reiterated his opinion that none of what she said made any sense. On Thursday, May 24, 1990, Dorothy Snook was busy at work in the kitchen on her farm when she heard the sound of helicopters approaching. 
She looked out of the window and saw television news helicopters filming her property. As she watched, the helicopters flew overhead, hovering over the homestead and the adjoining guest wing, where she ran a six-bed naturopathic retreat. This was Mrs Snook's first inkling that she had just become front-page news. The headline in the West Australian that morning read, Cancer Clinic Probe Urged After Deaths. The paper reported that Australian Medical Association WA President Dr Mike Jones had called for a formal inquiry into Mrs Snook's Radiant Health Centre and Institute of Natural Healing, claiming two women had died after receiving treatment from Mrs Snook. I've had concerns about the clinic for some time and now I'm writing to the Minister of Health, Mr Wilson, requesting an inquiry into the clinic, Dr Jones said. Dr Jones said local doctors were angry that they were asked to attend dying people at the clinic at the last moment and sign their death certificates. He said his understanding was that there had been one death of a patient at Mrs Snook's clinic and her brother Stanley, who was not a patient, was classified as a second death. I am not sure if Mrs O'Connor is counted as one of the women who died after receiving treatment from Mrs Snook and would hope not as she had only met Mrs Snook once and rejected all her dietary and health advice. A police spokesperson quoted in the newspaper article confirmed police had investigated the death of Mrs Snook's 91-year-old brother Stanley Greenham at her farm in November 1989 and a report had been sent to the coroner's office. As the case was now the subject of a coronial inquiry, the police spokesperson declined to give any further details. With this bureaucratic firepower aimed against her, Mrs Snook was like a deer caught in the headlights. She remained predictably true to her beliefs about diet being able to help people suffering from cancer, despite knowing the legal minefield in which she walked. Her response to the accusation of deaths at her clinic was muted. Death should not be unexpected, she tried to explain, as many people who sought her help were dying. Within days of the AMA calling for an inquiry into Mrs Snook's Radiant Health Centre, she had been suspended from the Australian Natural Therapists Accreditation Board, ANTAB. The reason ANTAB's West Australian chair gave for Mrs Snook's overnight suspension after 30 years of membership was a comment reported by the West Australian newspaper on the 25th of May 1990. Mrs Snook said on Wednesday that she knew what caused cancer and she could successfully treat patients with the disease. But Mrs Allen, WA Chair of ANTAB, said yesterday that naturopaths should never claim to treat cancer and a person with cancer must be under the care of a medical practitioner. If a patient was to get support from a naturopath, that is fine, but the naturopath should not be the prime carer, she said. Mrs Snook had been making such comments publicly and in her book since the 1960s, but now she faced inquiries and criticism which appear to have been leveraged off Stanley's death. When ANTAB withdrew Mrs Snook's membership prior to the coronial inquiry, it effectively removed any insurance coverage she had, forcing her to close the Radiant Health Centre overnight. As strong as she was, this must have hit Mrs Snook hard. Not only was there the cruel insinuation that she was in some way responsible for her brother's death, but her professional reputation and life's work had been publicly besmirched. Indeed, this is how some people I have spoken to remember her nearly 30 years later. Mrs Snook may have felt alone, but she had her supporters. On May 26, the West Australian published a brief article on page 36 
stating that former patients of Mrs Snook had contacted the newspaper. An excerpt of the article follows. A number of Mrs Snook's former patients have defended her, saying she had given a new lease of life to many people. One of Mrs Snook's supporters, Mrs Isabel Weir of Salters Point, said she had an award scheme for cancer survivors in 1987 and most of the winners were Mrs Snook's former patients. They were people who had been given up by doctors whom she managed to keep alive. It was almost a miracle, Mrs Weir said. Ex-cancer patient Nancy Smith of Cottesloe said she had developed the disease four years ago but was reluctant to undergo surgery. I went to Mrs Snook much against my doctor's advice and now I'm as healthy as can be and it's all due to her, Mrs Smith said. Patricia Blundell of East Fremantle, the mother of another former patient, said she was furious at the treatment meted out to Mrs Snook and claimed the doctors were out to get Mrs Snook. The inquest into the death of Stanley Greenham commenced at the Northern Courthouse on September 5, 1990, under the supervision of Coroner Graham Calder. Mrs Snook represented herself in court. She was not concerned initially, as she believed she had done nothing wrong. Mrs Snook and her family say Stanley wanted to die at her home and did not want to go to the hospital. She had been following his wishes. But the legal and media firepower lined up against her must have been daunting. Outside the courthouse, the 76-year-old grandmother was photographed by media, smiling bravely. Inside, she had to deal with painful allegations about her character and ability. Members of the Snook family applied for a copy of the proceedings of the coronial inquiry into Stanley Greenham's death on my behalf, but we were advised that the records had been destroyed in 1997. So I only have media reports and family recollections to go by. Here's an excerpt from the West Australian. The 91-year-old brother of northern naturopath Dorothea Snook did not receive any standard medical treatment in his last days while staying with her, an inquest was told yesterday. A hospital autopsy found that Stanley Greenham died of pneumonia in November last year. At the inquest, Coroner Graham Calder was told that Greenham had no traces of pneumonia when he visited his Manning doctor, Terence McCarter, 34 days before his death on November 30. Greenham had been staying at Snook's Radiant Health Clinic in Northam for 12 days before his death. His son Morris said he had taken his father to Snook's clinic for a holiday. During the 12-day period, Morris Greenham visited his father several times, but on November 29, he received a message from Snook saying his father was not well. Snook said it would be vital for him to see his father. Morris Greenham said he asked Snook whether his father should see a doctor, but she told him that there was nothing that could be done. Mrs Snook's daughter, Mari, describes her mother as very, very strong during this time, but thinks underneath it all she was really quite upset although did not show it to her family. Mari offered to travel to Northam and accompany her to the inquest, but Mrs Snook refused and told Mari she was fine. Mari believes it only got upsetting for her mother when a local doctor gave evidence to the inquiry, saying the pool at Mrs Snook's Radiant Health Centre was green and the kitchen dirty. The allegation outraged Mrs Snook and her family. They saw it as an outright lie. Here's how the newspaper reported it. 
Earlier in the day, Northern Medical Practitioner Kevin Christensen was described as a hostile witness by Snook because he said the clinic was unclean. Dr Christensen said he visited the clinic three years ago and Snook showed him about the premises. He said the facilities were unclean and the pool was so dirty he could not see its bottom. Dr Christensen said Greenham should have received conventional medical treatment such as antibiotics and physiotherapy during his last days. He would never have assumed Greenham was beyond medical help. Acting as her own lawyer, Mrs Snook declared that Dr Christensen, by making this statement under oath, had misled the court. Here's another excerpt of a newspaper report from 7th of September 1990 in the West Australian. The forensic pathologist who performed the autopsy on Stanley Greenham, the brother of naturopath Dorothea Snook, said his pneumonia infection probably started 36 hours before his death. According to Dr Clive Cook, who works at the state mortuary at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital, the pneumonia was the significant factor in Greenham's death on November 30 last year. He told the coronial inquest that pneumonia symptoms could range from the subtle to the obvious or could be misleading. Sir Charles Gardner consultant physician Charles Morgan also said that pneumonia symptoms in elderly patients varied. Greenham, who was not a patient of Snook's, had been staying with his sister at the Radiant Health Clinic at the time of his death. Snook told Coroner Graham Calder that the day before her 91-year-old brother died, he lapsed into a momentary state of unconsciousness. She said she slapped him across the face and he seemed to revive. Snook said her brother did not wish to see a doctor. And herein lies the crux of the allegations of criminal activity by Mrs Snook. She did not call for a doctor or an ambulance when Stanley was dying. She knew he was dying as she had alerted his family who were with him. Family members say Stanley did not want to go to the hospital. In this, Stanley was not alone. Up to 70% of people say they would prefer to die in their homes, with hospitals and nursing homes listed as the least preferred place to die. Despite this, however, around 85% of us do end up dying in a hospital or a nursing home. Yet by following her brother's wishes and not calling for an ambulance as Stanley's condition deteriorated, Mrs Snook created an opportunity for authorities to take action against her. When the doctor was called after Stanley died, he refused to sign Stanley's death certificate. The Northern Police were notified and Stanley's death was referred to the coroner. At the conclusion of the inquest, the coroner Graham Calder had several options available to him. If he believed the circumstances regarding Stanley's death merited prosecution, he could himself commit Mrs Snook for trial. Or he could refer the case to the West Australian Crown Law Department and Medical Board to investigate laying charges. His third option was to make no recommendation in his findings. Although Mr Calder ruled that Stanley Greenham died of natural causes, he referred the case to the Crown Law Department to lay charges against Mrs Snook. Here's a report from the West Australian on 9th of September. Northern naturopath Dorothea Snook could face criminal charges over the death of her 91-year-old brother Stanley Greenham. Coroner Graham Calder said if Snook had sought the help of a doctor or the Northern Hospital on November 29, 1989, when Greenham began to deteriorate, 
He could have been treated effectively and could have lived. Greenham died of pneumonia between 1pm and 2pm the next day. Mrs Snook's dogmatic and unquestioning but unjustified faith in her own ability to make an accurate assessment of the deceased's medical condition over the 36 hours preceding his death deprived him of a reasonable chance of remaining alive after being treated in a hospital by a registered medical practitioner, Mr Calder said. I have no doubt Mrs Snook is a person who has convinced herself that she has the ability to make assessments of a medical nature in respect to matters which require skill and training and knowledge. He said Snook did not possess these qualities and therefore was not competent to make such an assessment. The coroner's report and trial records for Stanley's death were destroyed, which I am told is a standard process for coronial inquiries that find a death from natural causes. The Western Australian Health Department cannot release their records into Mrs Snook's Radiant Health Centre to me, so I am unable to learn more about the details of this inquiry. However, I did learn that following the coronial inquiry, Mrs Snook's case was not referred to the State Solicitor's Office by the Crown Law Department, which seems unusual if charges against her were seriously being considered as the coroner requested. The argument against Mrs Snook was that she did not call for medical assistance when her brother was dying and that antibiotics or other medical treatments may have prolonged Stanley's life. But she was not Stanley's next of kin and the decision about calling for an ambulance was not taken by her alone. The coroner argued that Mrs Snook had convinced herself and near relatives of the deceased that he was simply dying of old age, essentially that she had bullied family members into following her own wishes. It seems to me that Stanley died a peaceful death after a long life, spending his last days with his family at his sister's farm. It is perhaps the type of death we would all like to have, to die of natural causes in a peaceful environment amongst our loved ones. However, following his death, Stanley's body was subject to a post-mortem and public inquest. The families of both Stanley and Dorothy must have suffered through this public process. If the medical authorities were waiting for another death to occur at Mrs Snook's premises in order to take action against her, it did not matter to them that this death when it came was of a family member who the court accepted was not a client at Mrs Snook's clinic and who died from natural causes. In that sense, Mrs Snook got a raw deal. Roy Snook recalls his mother said at the time, if they won't let me do it, I won't do it. She pulled down the sign to her property, but it did not stop people from dropping in. Roy said she handed out a lot of sheets and meal programs and went back to not charging for her work, cutting back from any active therapy. Mum had a lot of resilience in her nature. After having seven children, nothing seemed to knock her, he said. She coped fairly well, Mrs Snook's daughter Sylvia agrees. Anything like what she went through would give anyone a knock. Her age had become an issue and people were trying to discredit anyone in the natural professions. They were worried they were going to lose business, I think. Mrs Snook died on June 30, 2008, in Perth. She was 93 years old. She is survived by her six children and 15 grandchildren. Hers was a life well lived and one that impacted upon many, including me. I cannot recall Christmas 1990. I was 26 years old, living in Perth, 
and no doubt looking forward to a break and enjoying myself over the festive season. But things were different for the Snook and Greenham families who faced a bleak Christmas. After a long career devoted to helping others, Mrs Snook was in the midst of legal proceedings, waiting to find out if the Crown Law Department would lay charges against her over Stanley's death. The West Australian Medical Board was taking legal action over her claims of treating people suffering from conditions such as cancer and arthritis, and the Health Department was leading an inquiry into her now disbanded Radiant Health Centre. Mrs Snook's reputation lay in ruins, and she faced an uncertain future. Not only had she lost her clients and been stripped of the capacity to operate as a naturopath, but she now faced court action, possibly even jail. But Mrs Nook had lived through the Great Depression and two world wars and was made of stern stuff. She was certain she had done nothing wrong and one day soon the world would know it too. Until then she would have to live with a devastating public perception that somehow she had caused her brother's death. Then on Saturday December 22, 1990, when most people had finished work for the year and the holiday season had begun, a short news item appeared on page 13 of the West Australian. Crown closes case against naturopath, the headline read. The case against Mrs Snook had been closed. Here's an excerpt from the story. WA Attorney General Joe Berenson has dropped all further action against controversial northern naturopath Dorothea Snook. Mr Berenson told Perth Coroner David McCann that on advice from the Crown Law Department, no further legal action would be taken over Mrs Snook's alternative health treatments and the death of her elderly brother in 1989. A spokesman for Mr Berenson did not give reasons for the decision. However, it is believed there was insufficient evidence for a prosecution. Mrs Snook said yesterday she felt vindicated by the move, which proved she had done nothing wrong. Mrs Snook and her Radiant Health Clinic became the subject of a coronial inquiry in September after the death from pneumonia of her 91-year-old brother Stanley Greenham in November 1989. Circumstances surrounding the death were referred to Crown Law. The WA Medical Board has also scrapped plans to take legal action after considering the coronial inquiry transcript and finding no evidence under the Medical Act. The decision is wonderful, but the whole episode has been very sad, Mrs Snook said. She said publicity surrounding the case had resulted in the loss of most of her patients and forced her to apply for an old age pension. The whole thing was a lot of lies and there wasn't any truth in any of it, she said. Australian Medical Association WA branch president Dr Warwick Roos said the public should not take Mr Berenson's decision as an approval of Mrs Snook's therapies. As a writer or anyone who's worked single-mindedly or obsessively on a project may have experienced, the process leads you to new discoveries about your subject matter and yourself. You find that you become a magnet for new information about your subject. It's a law of attraction. You connect with your sankalpa, your resolve. Visualise the outcome of your resolve. And then let go of the resolve. Right hand thumb. Index finger. Middle finger. In December 2016, at Shakti Prem's yoga class in suburban Brisbane, I met a woman from Germany who was visiting Australia for a short holiday. After learning about my project and its connection to the Bavarian monk Father Kneip, she informed me that her great-great-uncle, a Professor Schmidt, was a friend of Kneip's. 
On her return to Germany, she sent me a family photograph featuring Professor Schmidt and Father Knipe smoking cigars. It is likely dated around the 1890s and taken just a few years before Knipe's death. Father Knipe enjoyed an occasional cigar, and while Alice Caporn and Dorothy Snook had a reputation for being dietary extremists, they were far more pragmatic than one might imagine. Alice Caporn was partial to the occasional piece of lamb and would eat what was put in front of her in social situations where there was no viable alternative. Afterwards, she would use her own brand of Herb Lax digestive treatment to flush out her system. Alice believed that if a person's digestive system was robust, they could withstand the occasional unhealthy meal. There are those who argue both for and against the all things in moderation mantra. Is smoking in moderation acceptable? Is eating meat and dairy acceptable in moderation? These are questions that the reader must decide for themselves. I am a writer, not a doctor or a nutritionist. The information around now about diets is bewildering, but it is clear that much of what Dorothy Snook advised is now largely accepted. Avoid processed foods, eat a plant-based diet, cut out or cut back on animal products. New disciplines are emerging, such as functional medicine, which focus on integrating genetic information about how our genes interact with the environment and the complex activity of our gut microbiome within a holistic naturopathic framework. Integrative and complementary medicine seeks to use successful treatments from medical and alternative therapies, yet even this approach is still ridiculed by medical extremists. Obviously not everything can be improved by the nature cure and positive thinking, but many things can, and few would disagree that proper diet, exercise and positive thinking are powerful tools for us to make the most of our lives and circumstances. Aside from finally learning these life lessons, I have also found inspiration in the characters of Dorothy Snook and her mentor Alice Caporn, and the way in which these feisty foot soldiers for the Nature Cure Revolution were driven by a sense of vocation and duty, how they stood firm against ridicule and censure, and I hope you have too. If you have enjoyed Mrs. Snook's story so far, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you could take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, I would appreciate it. If you would like to learn more, visit my website, gretapools.com, for my biography of Mrs. Snook, which includes a gut cleanse diet, plus Mrs. Snook's own writings. The links are on the episode's webpage. (music) 